ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Well, I was listening to uh, the cricket on my beautiful ABC Listen app and there was Jim Maxwell saying, this is my 50th year calling the cricket. And I thought, well, there's a bit of synergy there because this is my 50th year, as I've said to you over a couple of months, in broadcasting in total. So I thought, i better get on uh, the phone and get Jim on for a chat. So I have. Here he is. Hello, mate. Tim, how are you going? How are you going? Happy birthday, I suppose. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're about the same age without giving numbers away. but uh, We are. Uh, yeah, it's just a little bit of experience uh, <laughs> around the place and um, tales to tell and all of that stuff, yes. So 50 years ago, this is the 70s, and I think you told yeah. me you didn't start calling test cricket till 77, but that was a hell of an Australian cricket team when you started. It was. It was prior to Kerry Packer and World Series and the whole explosion that took place around that and more money for players mm. and television rights and uh, pyjama cricket, the whole lot of it. Yes, it, it was a very good time. Australia were one of the best. They were beating the West Indies in those days mm. before Clive Lloyd decided four fast bowlers was the answer. And it all changed. But uh, 75-76, that win by Australia with Thompson and Lilly dominating the series was a pretty emphatic one. Mm. And it was good to be around the way Australia played its cricket in those days. Yeah, I still think, and I know it's up for conjecture and you can't compare eras and, and all of that, but DK Lilly's uh, the best fast bowler I've ever seen and would have taken so many more wickets had he been available for Australia more often for the obvious reason, bad back, World Series cricket, all of that. Yes, that's true. Um, and uh, he did remarkably well when you think about the mm. injury problems he had uh, to sustain himself to end up being so resilient he was playing at the end although it wasn't a great look for Tasmania <laughs> um, right at the back end of his career but yes one of the great sights Lily at the MCG with the crowd roaring his name behind him and it probably started strongly about the time of uh, the centenary test which was the big event yes. before Packer came to town but that that was an amazing game of cricket in March 1977. Wasn't it? Yes, when David Hooks went mad with the bat as well. Mm -hmm. It was a hell of a game, wasn't it? Mm, well, it was all it was going to be over before the Queen arrived at one stage, <laughs> but they somehow managed to keep it going um, till the last session on the final day. Mm. And, you know, the, the margin of uh, victory, the same as the initial test 100 yeah. years ago, was one of the more remarkable historical coincidences of all time. Well, Jim, you are the voice of summer. I mean, I hope that doesn't embarrass you, but you are. And we've all been listening to you for a very long time, obviously. And as I said, it's, it's hard to compare eras, but we do have this talk now of test cricket being on the wane because of uh, the short versions of the game. Uh, I still love to listen to you guys on my way home in the car, watch it when I get home. I love test cricket. Um, if it is the case that it's on the wane, how do we revitalise it? Well, it's it's tough when you've got commercial considerations and most of those in the game today seem to be around a, a combination of administrators, uh, those that buy television rights, wanting the fast feed form of the game, T20. Mm. Mm. And there are so many franchises around the world now offering vast amounts of money for players to turn up. So a combination of, of that and a squeeze on the schedule to try and fit 
everyone in in the calendar year is a little bit of a problem, but it requires uh, some leadership from the ICC, dare I say it, which is obviously monopolised to a large extent by the influence of India, um, to be, be the be the leaders in, in trying to make sure mm. Test cricket survives. And I'm not sure how they're going to do that outside uh, the major powers. And the worry is that India will start playing less Test cricket than they are at the moment mm. because of the influence of the T20 game. Thank goodness we've got them here for five tests next summer yep. and then the Ashes the following year. But beyond that, you wonder where it's all going to go. Yes, you do. And I know the journos in England were complaining quite bitterly and, and offered it as an excuse of how England played in the World Cup and they played pretty poorly. But there's too much cricket. That's what they're saying. Uh, well, yeah, it's all about time, place, preparation, a number of things. Mm. Uh, I think... I think, to, to be fair, England uh, put a put a le- lot of eggs in the basket of baseball cricket. They want the, the, mm. that to come off. And they'd done their bit four years ago with um, the World Cup narrowly beating New Zealand. Their preparation uh, was much more robust than this occasion. They played half as many 50-over um, games. Uh, and they just didn't get themselves right in the lead-up uh, to the tournament, which Australia managed to do despite problems with uh, fitness of players like Travis Head. Mm. Uh, They seem to have a very good organisation going at the moment around the team, Um, so much so that um, we are saying the team picks itself, the selectors (laughs) may as well not turn up. Uh, But uh, that's where we are at the moment. We're very powerful in all forms of the game. Now, whether that is going to last uh, more than another two or three years, uh, remains to be seen, but it's pretty good at the moment. Yes, it is. That's for sure. As I say, I, I'm loath to compare eras in cricket because we've seen so many wonderful Australian cricketers. I mean, as a kid, I can go as far back as as Benno and uh, one of our great fast bowlers, Graham McKenzie, and and on and mm. on and on it goes. But this is the current one, a very very good cricket team, isn't it? Yes, uh, and most of the time it's attractive to watch. Occasionally. And gets a little bit bogged down around uh, Kawaja, Labishan, and Darius mm. Smith. I mean, it's, and it's one of the reasons why I think this is a significantly good move, given that the selectors have said, we want our best batsmen in the team. I'm sorry, I'm supposed to say batters, but I'm saying batsmen. <laughs> and um, that's what they've got. And, and Smith's put his hand up. What, what's happened with Smith is that um, he's, um, I think, uh, without saying it publicly, annoyed that um, he he was um, taken over at three by Labber's Shane. Yep. Um, he liked batting at three because he, he'd get out and he'd be in the game most of the time um, near the start of the inning. So this is his way of making sure he is out there at the start. <laughs> and I think it, it's a pretty good idea uh, given the batsmen Australia have. And there's a certain reluctance on the part of the selectors to plump strongly for any of the three on the fringe like Renshaw, Harris, and Bancroft, but mm. Renshaw's sort of got the nod. Um, but I reckon the next Australian opening pair of significance is not even known to the world at the moment because mm. uh, we've got Kawaja's 37, yep. Smith's 34. Uh, so come the end of the Ashes series in a couple of years, uh, we might be moving on to two players we've never heard of. Yeah, and they obviously have long-term faith, and, and I agree with them, in in Cameron Green. He's a very classy player with the added mm-hmm. bonus of being a pretty handy medium-paced seamer. 
and a great catcher. Yeah, one of, oh, one yes. of the best catchers catchers behind the wicket. I think we've seen if you mm. look at some of those snares, yeah. uh, particularly in the uh, final against India in June last year when they were playing the Test yeah. Championship. So let let's hope uh, all of the input and enthusiasm for the skill and ability that he's shown uh, comes to fruition with some runs, which is going to be fascinating in itself, given that uh, he will be batting, as we hear, at number four. Yes, indeed. And, you know, mentioning uh, great fast bowlers and fast bowlers, I mean, I'm a card-carrying member of the Mitchell Stark fan club. I don't know why he was mm. ever left out of the team, because he can bowl that as our left-armers, and we've had some great ones, great left-armers, that absolutely unplayable ball, and he's been playing it a lot lately, bowling it a lot lately. He's a great strike bowler. Yeah. But the truth is... Uh, it comes with the territory when you bowl as he does. Uh, you bowl four balls more than perhaps a Cummins or a Hazelwood would, but yes. uh, you've got the strike power. And it's certainly on the bigger grounds in Australia, I think he's a better bet. In England, it's tough because those grounds are tiny mm. and, the, and the, the bats are absolute claymores and uh, they can get amongst you as they did at times during the last Ashes series will be different when they come to Australia, mm. as I'm sure they're aware, because their record, uh, England's record in Australia is very ordinary, apart mm. from two series in the last 40 years here. Yeah. In 50 years, it's impossible, I'm sure, for you to uh, give us a, a whole heap of highlights. But <laughs> let me ask you, was there a period in the game that you'd have enjoyed uh, calling more than another? Oh, when Shane Warne and McGrath were doing their yeah, business, right. no doubt. Yeah. I mean, Shane Warne, after Bradman, is our, our greatest cricketer. Mm. He's a phenomenon, and uh, that will always be the case. Uh, Pat Cummins is moving into that category as he goes, I, I'd say. But, um, yeah, Warne was captivating because no one has ever bowled leg spin like he did. Yep. And with McGrath at the other end, I mean, it was strangulation mm. uh, during that period where Australia had what was it, 16 test wins yeah. on the trot. And uh, uh, yeah, that, that was great to watch. It wasn't much fun for the opposition, I <laughs> suppose, but to watch a leg spinner go about his craft as Warren did was special. Yes, and on television, I used to love uh, how much Richie uh, just thoroughly enjoyed that. You could, he didn't have to say a word. He just that little pause mm. when Warren took another wicket. And they did, Jim, um, on television. You would have been calling yourself and, and didn't see it uh, during the Afghanistan series. Um, his, I think, 50th... 50 best wickets. How you pick 50 out of the 700 or so, I don't know. Goodness me, you're right. It was just incredible bowling, wasn't it? And talk about unplayable deliveries. You had plenty of them. Yes, before his uh, shoulder went on him yeah. and he got into that funk around taking masking agents and everything else mm, mm. and had a little bit of a holiday. And As long as his shoulder was robust and he could bowl that skidding flipper, uh, he was outrageously good, but he just got craftier as he got older and perhaps perhaps a little bit injury prone. So um, to hear Glenn McGrath talk you through his uh, 700th test mm. wicket yeah. at the MCG is, is quite a yarn when he had McGrath standing at mid-on and he told him in the previous over, this is how I'm going to get Strauss out. And uh, it happened exactly as he forecast. <laughs> yes, and, you know, if we're going to talk about spin bowlers, we shouldn't leave Nathan Lyon out above 500 now. He mm. won't get to 700, but what a wonderful competitor he's been for us too. We're, be, we're a bit blessed, aren't we? We certainly are. Yeah. And uh, when you look at Nathan Lyon, you're looking at sort of the antithesis of uh, spin bowling because most of 
spin bowling in this country has been about wrist spin bowling. Mm. Um, sometimes Mashley, Mallet, Bruce Yardley, yeah. Tim May, uh, but Nathan Lyons just taking the game to uh, another level with uh, his extraordinary uh, resilience and determination uh, to get this far. I mean, you, you've got to be hungry to bowl that stuff because you know you, you're going to get tonked. Uh, mm. On good pitches, it's pretty hard to come up with the variety and control to subdue good batsmen and he's he's found that uh, a number of times during his career but he's, he he keeps bouncing back he's mm. a rubber ball mm. in that regard and uh, if he holds fit if he doesn't have a recurrence of that awful uh, calf muscle injury oh, or something terrible. like it um you would think he might be going to England again mm. um in four years time three or four years we'll see how how that runs if that's the case he might get past Miralithery. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be fabulous? I'd love that. Love to see that happen. And Jim, the the other thing they talk about in uh, sport these days, and when I was a kid at school, you did two things: you, you played cricket in the summer, you played football in the winter, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of of rowing. And that's the way it was. But there's so many other sports that kids can get involved in now. And I suppose the concern is, I mean, are young kids picking up a cricket bat as we did when we were kids? Well, I. Sp- Spend a bit of my time uh, with Eastern Suburbs Cricket Club as being the president there for right. 10 years. Yeah. So we have a lot of young players. And at the moment, we're doing okay in keeping okay. them Good. enthusiastic and involved. But, um, you know, people do things differently. They're mobile. And there was a classic the other day, a very good cricketer in our club. I won't mention his name. Mm. He said to the coach, look, I can't play the next round. Oh, what's the problem? You're going off to a wedding or something? Oh, no, I'm going to see my girlfriend in Miami. Um, I thought that's a good one. I haven't heard that before. Uh, So I I think we're going to get to the point with a lot of our young guys say, look, you've got one wild card in the season. Don't expect to be back in the grade you're in when you return if you abuse it Hmm. Um, because you've got to somehow keep the whole thing together. And there are a lot of clubs in Sydney who are struggling to keep players. Um, they get them in as youngsters, but they're, they're soon, you know, it, it's like fast food. They get distracted. Yeah, um, it's, yeah. all, it's all about the, 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 you know, the five-second grab on TV news or something. It's all instant. Yeah. So it's very hard to, to keep them, and that's the challenge for cricket, and that's why I suppose T20 is um, becoming such a popular form of the game. But mm. hopefully it, it doesn't take over at the club level um, as it's appearing to do, mm. and push two-day and one-day grade cricket aside. It's not going to happen yet, but uh, it's around the corner. Yeah, well, I'm very pleased to hear that, that grade cricket's uh, going well. Well, you know, when I was at school, I mean, you play with some really good cricketers at school level, but as you and I both yep. know, the elite level is a lot higher than that, and it requires a lot of commitment when you leave school to get into grade and get into a Sheffield Shield side, and hopefully, if you're good enough, and you've got to be very good, play for Australia. If you're good enough, you get out of school cricket as soon as you can. Ed Cowan's father was able to do that with him at Cranbrook, and yeah. we just had a guy at my old school, Cranbrook, down the road from yours, I think, Tim, from memory. Scots, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. A guy called Sam Constus. Mm. Look out for that name. Um, he was in the Cranbrook first 11 last year. He just played his first Shield game for New South Wales recently. Right. Uh, he's an outstanding young talent. I mean, that can burn off. You just don't know how it's going to go. But you've, you've got to try and get your young players playing with men. You can't just 
pick blokes in this pathway system that come up in their own little groups of under-17s, Australian under-19s. Mm. Um, they've got to be performing, and I think the New South Wales selectors talking to them are realising that these guys have got to perform in grade cricket more than playing in the sort of select age groups and the rest of it and getting an opportunity through that. And we're seeing it in the way New South Wales have played in the last 18 months, a big turnover of players mm. uh, because these guys who are being thrown in there really are uh, tyros. They're not ready. Yep. So it's going to be interesting to see how it maps out. But there are plenty. What I'm saying is there are plenty of very good young cricketers around. Fraser McGurk is another one. Mm. Um, he's spectacularly good. Uh, it's the bowlers you, you're looking out for all the time. You want the fellows that are doing the heavy loading. Mm. Um, and it's a bit more attractive playing cricket to be a batsman, I suppose, than a bowler. Yeah, indeed. I have to ask you about uh, Dave Warner because, gee, pol oh, yes. gee polarises people. But statistically, mm. I mean, he's one of the best batsmen we've ever had. I mean, you can't argue with that, mm. with the amount of 50s he's had, the amount of hundreds and, and his average. But uh, it seems it was all put on his head and he's retired now. And we even had him arriving in a helicopter to go and play a game of, of T20. So people have got really strong opinions about him one way or the other. I wonder wonder why you yep. think that is. <laughs> well, it's uh, the way he behaves. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've got a fellow called Michael Clark who also polarises a bit mm -hmm. the other way, unfortunately. True. I think Warner's, Warner's issue really in a, a society that likes to see it being you know, completely egalitarian yep. is that um, – to me, although he's been a look, he's been an outstanding cricketer. He, he's the most talented, gifted, performed cricketer across all three disciplines, formats of the game that we've had, mm. and that has to be acknowledged. Mm. He's been outstanding. But it's not just about me, friend. I mean, there's too much for mine of the Kardashians about. Uh, the way he and his wife and his family are put on parade. I don't like that. And I think most Australians don't like that. Mm. Um, so he needs to take a bit more care and be more selfless perhaps as he moves on because he's still probably going to play for Australia in the World T20. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, he's picked himself. I don't know whether the selectors picked the team anymore. But, um, yes, yeah, so, so I think he's going to be around for a bit and all that nonsense about his cap. Why don't he just keep his head down and allow things to move on? And we had the embarrassment, you know, of the Prime Minister asking mm. for it to be returned by the fellow who allegedly stole it or something. I mean, yeah, so I think he just he needs to pull his head in. But, um, look, he and I don't get on that that well as it is. Uh, as you might remember, there was, was a bit of history. He played for Eastern Suburbs and then went off to Randwick. Yep. Uh, I hate to think I was any part of uh, all that. But, uh, yes, uh, I, I want him to be a big contributor in a, the most selfless way possible to the game of cricket. And I don't see that in David at the moment. I think my mother would have called it, called it putting on a few airs and graces would have been her expression <laughs> yeah. in the old days. Yes. Yeah, by the Eastern Suburbs cricket, because I nearly, because uh, I was a you know, handy cricketer, it's got nearly mm. played for, for Waverley, but the beach summoned me. But is that Eastern Suburbs the, uh, the old Waverley Cricket Club? Yeah, that's right. Oh, right. We re yeah. re rena renamed it some some time ago because we thought it it was more fitting uh, as it represented the eastern suburbs area, not just Waverley. Um, so that's why that's occurred, and we're very fortunate to have 
so many good people managing the club and, uh, of course, playing for it. Well, I'm very happy to hear that lots of uh, really talented young cricketers coming through because I don't want to see Test cricket to go. I mean, I can watch a game of T20. I like a one-dayer, but the Test cricket, you know, I can sit down. It's a summer and hear your voice. And in the old days, heard Richie's voice and, and it's on the telly mm. and the bat on the ball. It's it's the sound of, of summer. And uh, I think a lot of us just love to sit there. We don't sit there all day, but, you know, sit there for an hour, then get up and do something else and come back it's and it is it's a test that's why it's called test cricket and uh the series against afghanistan afghanistan uh pakistan i thought was very good they've got they've got a couple of good players but not as many as we've got and they were reasonably competitive and uh Mm. but i suppose you know it's going to be uh, india and england and australia for a while hey at the top of the tree I don't think that'll change, although I'd like to think the West Indies will turn mm. up with something, but um, I'm not expecting a big amount. Um, let, let's see how it uh, it maps out. But people who want to watch this Australian side without Warner and Smith opening and yeah. uh, Cameron Green at number four, I mean, that in itself uh, is something to be looking forward to, whatever the West Indies come up with, but let's hope that they're competitive. Indeed. Well, uh, 51 years now, not 50, and the same for me on the way to 51, and I have no plans to retire. I don't know what I'd do with myself. I imagine you haven't either. Well, um, maybe. I've, I, no, no, no. I've, I've, I had a thought on this uh, on my way over to, to Adelaide yeah. on the plane, and uh, there was a, a question from someone on the on the Twitter them, Z, <laughs> what is it, the Extum now? That's right. Um, and uh, when are you going to start doing more limericks? Because this was a big thing during the ashes <laughs> yes. when I was working for the BBC and the ABC. Um, and, of course, if you, you think about names, you just think about the name Duckett and how many people uh, came up with limericks <laughs> around that fella. So uh, I, I, I wrote yes. a few on the plane just to keep me amused. So they'll come up at some point. Look, there's, the great thing about cricket is uh, if uh, if the game's not always compelling, or even if it is, there are enough breaks for you to go to other places. Yes. And you, you're not guided by what the television camera is looking at. No. So. And it, it's such a friend to so many people. You know, we're talking about the intimacy of radio, yeah, which absolutely. is one of the yeah. reasons people um, love having it on. So there we are in the background, buzzing away like a cicada or something, and <laughs> every now and then something happens and people's ears go up, oh, what happened there? And so, yeah. it, and so it goes. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful sort of a back, background noise to our lives in summer. Yeah, it is. As I say, it's, uh, it is. It's the sound of summer when we hear you on the radio. We know it's summertime. We know it's cricket. Jim, thanks very much for spending so much time with us. Uh, much appreciated on, on the Overnights program. All the best, Tim. Don't throw away that career. Keep out of the surf and keep bowling those offies or whatever you bowl. Now, I bowled leggies, but, uh, mate, uh, me and Shane won't talk about your chalk and cheese. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's something for you to ponder. Indeed. Thank you, mate. Thank you very much. Right, Tim. Cheers. Jim Maxwell. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.